Over 9,000 people are reported missing in Ireland every year. The vast majority of these turn up and are safely reunited with their families. However, for some, closure is never found and these people seem to have vanished into thin air. For the family of Tommy Morgan, this is sadly the case. Speaking with his nephew, Alan Morgan, he explains the mysterious disappearance of his uncle. So Alan, tell me a bit about Tommy. Uh, Tommy was the third youngest of 12 children. There was eight girls and four boys in the family. Tommy was a quiet child by all accounts. He never liked school from the get-go. He struggled from a very young age. He might have had learning difficulties, although I don't believe he had. He started school at four in John's Lane off Thomas Street in Dublin. And he struggled from, as I said, from the get-go. So although he struggled in school, did he get any extra help from teachers or from the school at all? Teachers at the time, they were quite strict. There would have been a lot of nuns and a couple of Christian brothers, in fact. And he was a sort of a, a kid where he'd kind of run more so than kind of fight. So when, when my grandmother would drop him off to school, he would play truant and he wouldn't attend school from six or seven years of age. As a result of Tommy not attending school, truancy officers became involved and threatened his parents that if the issue was not resolved, they would take Tommy from them and he would be placed into reform school, which at the time were very common. The um, truancy officer had been engaged by the school and a, a lot different to the way it is now. They had a lot more power with regard to whether the children should attend school or not. And my grandparents were informed that if they didn't ensure that the Tommy went to school every day, whatever, he would be basically taken off them and put into a, a reform school. This must have been very difficult on his parents. What did they try to do to prevent this? So at eight years of age, my grandmother at this stage had exhausted everything. Uh, every avenue, she would wave goodbye to him outside the yard. As soon as her back was turned, he would flee. He was, he was just so unhappy in school that he played truant practically every day. So subsequently, there was a court order made against my grandmother and he was taken into custody and placed in Artane's boys' home, St. Joseph's Reform School in Artane. And he, he remained there until he was 16 years of age. He was eight years, half his life at that stage he'd spent in a reform school under extremely harsh and archaic conditions. This must have been awfully difficult, not only for Tommy, but for his parents. How did they react to his detention? Funnily enough, when when he was put into the reform school, my grandmother, she was a difficult sort of woman and she also had 11 other children. So I think she was preoccupied with what was going on at home. My grandfather at that stage had developed quite a, a strong addiction to alcohol. He wasn't an abusive man, but he wasn't very, very supportive or helpful. So subsequently, my grandmother was left to kind of carry the can with regard to rearing the children. And because, I don't know whether, it, it'd be probably unfair to say that it was one less child to have to look after, but she didn't seem to... Um, she never visited him in, in the eight years that he was in, in our town. She never paid a visit. 
um, and my father and his girlfriend, which was, you know, obviously my mother eventually, um, they were the only ones who uh, visited them because they were the old, my mother was the second oldest. My, my father had a motorbike and they used to travel out from Walkinstown where they lived to our town. So as you said, the conditions of these reform schools were extremely harsh and there are plenty of horror stories that go along with them. Um, so are you aware of any abuse that Tommy may have endured during this time? There's a number of occasions, but one in particular that my father recalls is when Tommy was probably maybe 12 and it was the summertime and they went out and they visited him and he was ba- they were basically told that he was um, he's in the infirmary, he's quite ill, he's sick. Uh, so my mother, who was extremely fond of Tommy, she saw him, I suppose, as a, as a little brother, um, quizzed him and basically said, well, can we see him? And, and they were basically told no. It turned out anyway eventually that um he had been assaulted uh, his his arm had been broken by one of the christian brothers for a very a very minor offense it must have been very tough on a young child growing up in that environment especially considering that he was never visited by his parents do you think that he developed any sort of resentment towards his family at all when he was eventually released, he was 16 and he came back to live in the family home. And it was a case that he felt that his family had abandoned him, particularly his mother. You would expect his mother to be a little bit more maternal, but unfortunately she wasn't. And circumstances kind of, I suppose, saw to that. But I do believe that he was resentful towards his parents, in particular his mother, because he was a young child going in there. He probably felt that he was forgotten about and just left. I'm sure there was resentment there but again as I said he was a quiet sort of individual so he never broached the subject but he was quite withdrawn when he came out. Just to get a timeline of Tommy's life you said he was 16 when he was released but when exactly was this? He was incarcerated from 1960 and spent eight years there. In September 1968 he was released and He hung around for probably the guts of 18 months in the family home. He picked up menial jobs. He worked on a farm in Green Hills. He used to drive the the farmer's tractor and truck. And he did that for probably about 18 months. So probably looking at coming up to close to 1970 is basically when he disappeared. So when he was released, you did get to meet him. Obviously, he would have been a very young child. But do you happen to have any memories of your uncle at all? My sister has memories of him. I don't. I probably would have been only four, and then by the time I was five and a half, he was gone. I don't really have any memories, unfortunately, seeing him or meeting him. My parents have told me stories of my interaction with him and how he was very kind and and loving towards me. Alan, as a child, was often told how much he resembled Tommy. He recalled a time when Tommy's father was in a trance, staring at him, mesmerised by the resemblance of his child. Shortly before my grandfather died, I was playing with some toys beside my grandfather, and my father and mother were actually looked at my grandfather, and he was kind of complete. He was staring at me, but he was miles away. It kind of came to his wits and kind of shook his head and he goes, it's like looking at Tommy as a child, you know. I suppose he was just wistful and and regretful 
when he was possibly looking at me and, and kind of felt that maybe things could have been so, so much different. So from what you've been told, what is believed to have happened to Tommy? Is there any specific theory that's believed? He, when he decided to leave, it was kind of out of the blue. He did pass a remark to my grandmother saying that he was going away to work with a friend of his in England. And that would have, as I said, would have been 1969. And he did. The two of them took the boat over to Wales with the intention of uh, travelling to Birmingham and picking up some work. From when he went abroad, was there any sort of contact at all from Tommy? My father wasn't much of a letter writer, but my mother was. And although Tommy wasn't probably the most articulate of letter writers, he used to correspond with my mother and write the occasional letter and would be always affectionate and ask about the welfare of the rest of the family. So I think the last letter that my mother received was in the spring of 1972, which would have been two and a half years after he left for England. The fact that there was no further correspondence from 1972 onwards and was essentially never heard from again, do you think that possibly something a bit more sinister could have happened to him? Yeah, you hear all sorts of horror stories. To be honest, no, I don't believe that there was anything sinister. I think that he'd, he was a lost soul. When you hear about all the horror stories of what happened to some of the children in a lot of these reform schools, an awful lot of them ended up on foreign shores with alcohol and drug addiction and all sorts of mental health issues. I believe that when he went over to England and he shook off the shackles of his past life i would like to think that he got on with his life but no i don't i don't believe that anything sinister or anything untoward happened to him i think he probably just wanted to have a new start in life it may seem like a silly question but was anybody actively looking for tommy at this point i think because he came from such a large family and people's lives moved on and People kind of probably figured, you know, oh, well, Tommy's over in England and we haven't heard from him before. You know, the months rolled into years and before you knew it, it was like mid to late 70s, I, I suppose. That was at the, at the first time when the, some of his older siblings who would have been married and everything with their own families began to kind of wonder what had happened to him and what, where, where he disappeared to. And one uncle in particular and my own father had made a number of um, inquiries with, with like the likes of uh, the Samaritans over in England and um, a number of different agencies. Uh, it was a different time. Nowadays, it's, uh, you know, with social media and everything, a lot of it is kind of, a, it's a lot easier. As you said, your aunts and uncles have been looking for him for 50 years now. Was he ever officially reported as missing or was it more of a family matter? No, he was never officially um, registered as a missing person for the simple reason that um, he was an adult and the law states that if a, a, a person of over 18 years of age wants to basically disappear into thin air, um, any sort of contact with the family, well, well that's their prerogative. So 
from a legal point of view, no, he was never registered as a missing person. But as I said, my father and my uncle were pretty determined to try and locate him. And they, they went further afield and there was rumours that um, perhaps he went to Australia. It seems like a very frustrating thing to have to go through, to constantly be looking for someone who either doesn't want to be found or can't be found for whatever reason. So do you think that there could be a resolution after all of these years? I don't think at this stage there'll ever be a conclusion. I think I think if he wanted to be found, I'm sure he would have been. If he wanted to be in contact with his family, he would have reached out at this stage. Some people just, they don't want to be ever found. And it is very frustrating and it's very sad for his siblings. There's only a, a, a few of them left alive now at this stage, because as I said, he was the third youngest of 12. So yeah, the, the mantle has kind of fallen to me to see if I can bring it to some sort of conclusion. But at this stage, we've we've done everything. We've had Facebook pages, we've had um, online appeals, we've taken out um, ads in newspapers in various locations across Britain and Australia. We've exhausted all avenues at, t- at this stage. Understandably, the Morgan family blamed the industrial school for the events that followed Tommy's release from Artane. I think it's it's a un- universal uh, opinion among all our family that is that the system was what failed Tommy. I believe that if it was nowadays, there would be so much more support for the child. If he if it was a case that he did have learning difficulties or if he ha- if he struggled. The support that, that that's available now certainly wasn't then. And the system was, was horrible. The regime, by all accounts, what he was subjected to doesn't bear thinking about. So I, I, I do believe that the system was not only unjust, but um, extremely cruel when it came to the welfare of young children. So... What would be the best conclusion for this story? We, we kind of, if, if, if it was a case that we even found a death certificate, it would be, it would be closure. It would be. But I'd like to think that, yeah, I'd like to think that Tommy had a fruitful and full life, maybe married and had children of his own. And perhaps he might be even still alive. My father, on the other hand, still truly believes that someday he'll be reunited with his his long-lost brother. And to be honest, it would be wonderful if he would, if he could just for one, one more time just see his little brother. I think he could, he could die a happy man. For some families, they will never get closure and the whereabouts of their missing family members will forever remain a mystery. Since recording this interview with Alan, miraculously, the Morgan family have gotten word of Tommy living in Devon for the past number of years, and are currently in the process of being reunited at last. Thank you for listening. This has been Searching for Tommy. It has been presented and produced by Aaron Killoran, and has been a TU Dublin School of Media production.